Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. This is episode 89 of the Lean Blog Podcast for April 20th, 2010. Our guest today is Keith Russell. He is a global continuous improvement leader at AstraZeneca R&D. I met Keith at a recent Lean and Six Sigma conference for the pharma R&D industry where we both presented. Keith has substantial in-house R&D experience across the entire value streams and currently works in global drug development. He is particularly interested in design and innovation and the application of systems thinking to complex business problems. He has a PhD in synthetic organic chemistry from the University of Cambridge. So in this podcast, we discuss the applications of Lean and Six Sigma in a space we've never talked about here, uh, pharmaceutical development. So how do you use lean principles in such a technical field, and how do you engage the highly educated scientists who do this work? I want to thank you for listening. You can listen to previous episodes by going to leanpodcast.org, and you can visit me on the blog at leanblog.org. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us, Keith. You're very welcome. Thanks uh, for inviting me, Mark. So I was wondering if you could start, uh, as you do with a lot of guests, introduce yourself and your background and particularly how you got first introduced to the lean methodology. Yeah, well, it's probably useful just to kind of go way back just to give you my roots, which were in chemistry. So I'm basically a a scientist. Um, And I started with with AstraZeneca as a research chemist about 20, over 20 years ago now. Mm So basically, you know, uh, my, my role there was, was to discover new molecules, chemical compounds, hopefully with potential for, for being drugs at some point, you know, in cardiovascular or CNS or, uh, cancer, that kind of thing. So, you know, my passion there was for, for chemistry, um, and, and particularly designing molecules. That's what I did. So, uh, I basically, uh, kind of did that for 20 years in different, different ways and, moved into the kind of research project leader area where I kind of led projects across our research area um, all the way up to where we basically are giving giving clinical candidates, if you like, over to our development force. Um, so, you know, I basically then kind of, I've, I've kind of looked at this myself and thought, you know, I had a passion for chemistry, but it was about design of chemistry. I then really had a passion for kind of the broader design and innovation of, of kind of on the program scale, if you like. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, with hindsight, it was a kind of a natural step in a way to, to take that passion for design improvement uh, to even bigger scale, which is kind of, you know, how do we do R&D more efficiently, more effectively, more innovatively? Uh, and, and although it wasn't planned this way, I, I basically ended up, as I am now, really not doing chemistry anymore, but looking at kind of the bigger problem of, of how do we do R&D yeah. uh, in, a, in an improved way. So with that interest in improving that R&D process, I mean, what, what was your first exposure to lean? Was this something that you were seeking out and stumbled across or something that somebody uh, in, introduced to you? I'm, I'm just always curious with somebody in uh, yeah. sort of a non-traditional lean industry, how, how you got introduced to it. Well, I can honestly say that in 2005, beginning of 2005, which is when we started to get into this area, I had never heard of Lean and never heard of Six Sigma. 
Um, but I was given a problem at that point. Uh, I was my, uh, a member of the, the research area leadership team. I was heading up the chemistry group at that time. And uh, I was given this problem, which is we need to figure out how we improve the efficiency and effectiveness of the last stage in, in our research. It's called lead optimization. And so basically I had that problem. And as we did at the time, often we turn to look for technology solutions. Uh, often, you know, we look for what are the biggest problems, where are we failing most. But, but what happened, which was somewhat of a chance event, um, was I had a, a, a person in doing training for my chemists in design of experiments. Uh, and he and one of his colleagues in England had been basically experimenting with Lean Sigma, which was very new, had just started mm-hmm. in our company, um, in some very small controlled areas in, in the labs. And I basically told him, I was talk, chatting to this, this trainer, he was a statistician, um, and I told him what my problem was. He, he basically ran through what Lean Sigma was, and, and basically it was, it was essentially that's, that for me is where it started. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, the problem meets the a potential solution. And I, I mean, I was, I was excited from the, from the start because I could see the opportunity right there. Yeah. Um, it took, it, it's, it's, it's had a quite an evolution since then. But, but for me, that's, that's where it started. And, and, and basically, you know, we, we, we then took that and applied it to a complex cross-functional, uh, project. And, and a lot of it is spread from that point. No, I'm really interested in a couple aspects of this. I mean, um, one would be just the general applicability to lean, uh, lean and six sigma in pharma industry because it, it, it is so different than discrete manufacturing, the building of yeah. cars, the building yeah. of, of computers. And, uh, you know, in any industry, any setting, uh, people will raise the flag of, well, you know, we're different. Yes. And so I could see one level of that. Um, on the pharma production side, the very last yep. stage, um, and, and maybe especially so with the scientists and with with the development. So, you know, when you talk about um, efficiency and effectiveness, I'm, I'm wondering or you know curious about how people how, react to those words. Is efficiency a scary word, or how you know how do you measure? Um, I guess yeah. that's one of the base questions. How do you measure that efficiency? What or effectiveness? What are you looking for? Yeah, you know, the, the, the fundamental question about how do we take, you know, you know, what has been learned in the lean area and six sigma. We use, we call it lean sigma, uh, which is, as you know, the blend of lean and some of the six sigma pushes. How do you take that and, and extract something useful to help R and D? You know, and, and I think, and I have heard you say this. What would have been a disaster is if we'd taken, if you like, off the shelf lean, off the shelf, uh, Six Sigma as applied to manufacturing and just applied it. Uh, and we did some of that. We made some of those mistakes. And just as you're kind of hinting, you know, the scientists did not like that at all. Mm-hmm. Because anything, the scientists are fiercely independent. They're very highly educated and trained. They've got a lot of experience and learning, which, which tells them that something that somehow, uh, they perceive as constraining creativity, mm-hmm. and they did, is not good. Something that speeds things up without worrying about, you know, you know, what is the quality or, or reduces cost scares them. Sure. Um, so, I mean, so there's certainly a, a challenge there right from the get-go with, with some of that, absolutely. So what were some of the approaches for addressing those concerns? Because, you know, like you said, they're fiercely independent. 
highly skilled professionals, if uh, they wanted to derail the effort, I'm, I'm sure they certainly could. Um, yeah. But what, what, what were some of the strategies or approaches that you took? Well, you know, in, in some of this, we've obviously learned as we've been doing it since 2005, but, but we recognized pretty early on that, you know, unlike manufacturing where you're making the same, or ideally you're making the same product every time, and you really want to minimize variation. You want to make it as cheap, as fast as possible, get that product to the customer. Uh, that obviously, you know, is, is a value to them. You know, the whole concept of value stream makes so much sense when you think in that. But what does it mean for R&D? Because most of, if you think what R&D does, it essentially is creating new value stream opportunities mm-hmm. for manufacturing. It's not manufacturing anything. It doesn't make products. It makes opportunities for products. So we had to get our heads around that. So, so basically, what does value mean in R and D? I think was 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 difficult, particularly as you start to kind of zoom out and think of the bigger picture. Um, so once you start to realize that you know what we're doing is applying science, so science is advancing knowledge, mm-hmm. and we're using management principles to deliver results. You know, you start to you know get your head around this and realize that what R and D is doing is essentially making or uh, generating new useful knowledge. It's a learning process. And I think that's where the difference is. So you can't know the answer at the beginning. You have to do the work to get the answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that that is, you know, the more we appreciated that, and the more we realized there are areas of R&D that are like manufacturing and we can apply very similar, very familiar lean approaches whereas there are other areas that are more in the kind of creative end where we have to use uh, some different approaches. Once we realized that, mm-hmm. I think folks started to really open up and appreciate the value of this. Mm, okay. Now, how long would you say AstraZeneca or you know, in the labs, how long have you been working at figuring out how to apply Lean Sigma? Um, well, really, since 2005 is okay. where we started in research. And, and we uh, basically, a couple of years of, of development in, in, in across the discovery, the research end, and then it's spread into our development area mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, we're doing clinical trials, where we're doing our, uh, interactions with the regulatory authorities, our process development work, um, and, and it's basically spread from there. Right. So being a few years into it, uh, you know, are you able to share either you know some broad measures of how you would gauge um, the impact that Lean Lean Sigma has had, or, or any specific you know success stories where you know it led to uh, you know a real noteworthy improvement? Yeah, let me pick a. I, I got a couple of just real simple examples. Um, a couple from the research end, just to illustrate how you can actually apply some very simple lean lean principles, which I think is what we're doing here. So, so for example, um, in the in the lead optimization part of research, you know the chemists make make molecules, make compounds, and we they make lots of them, and ultimately we're trying to find one that may be a clinical candidate and ultimately a drug one day. But most of the molecules we make are just answering specific questions. So, you know, one of the things we realized by doing essentially a big process map with a lot of folks working on this process, is, you know, if you make too little compound, you know, you can only answer a few questions. You know, you can only do the first biological test. 
you, uh, on the second. If you make too much, and so you have to, if the compound turns out to be good, you have to make more. So you, you create a lot of rework if you don't make enough. If you make too much, well, most compounds don't make it as drugs. They die. You know, they're not good enough. So if you make too much, you have a lot of waste. So we realized there is actually a, an optimal point of how much you make that allows us to drive the process through to a, a, an appropriate point uh, without being too wasteful mm-hmm. uh, and, and actually gaining momentum, if you like, in, 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 through the project. So that was one of the things we did. That and a number of things, just simple things like that, led to us taking cycle times for this lead optimization phase down from 12 to 18 months, as it was, down to about five to six months. Mm, okay. That's that's one example. There's, there's many other th- elements that led to that. But there were very simple things like that because we never really looked at it that way before. So lots of low-hanging fruit, in a sense. Yeah. An example more on the development end, mm-hmm. but again, very simple kind of lean principles, is if you look at some of the early clinical trials with volunteers, you know, where we're basically for the first time introducing some of our potential drugs into, into people. And we want to see, just make sure in a very carefully controlled way to, to the molecule that they tolerated well and things like that. Well, the way those trials are run is they're run with cohorts of volunteers. You know, it can be six to nine cohorts, you know, and, and you run them in a linear way, one cohort, two, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So we realized that the cohort to cohort cycle time there was a lot of waste in there because there's a lot of time moving samples around. There's a lot of time getting the analysis done and getting the information back and, and integrating that information. So a number of pieces of work basically addressing just simple lean wastes, you know, overproduction, waiting time, things like that. You know, we, we tackle those. That obviously multiplies up now because you've got, you know, up to nine times you're doing that. And again, we saw something like 50% in, uh, improvement in cycle times and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we've done a number of things like that uh, uh, across research and development, if, that, uh, if that's helpful. Yeah. And I'm curious, just to follow up a, a little bit on methodology, were these done in the form of uh, you know, a week-long Kaizen event in, in yeah. the context of a, a green belt or a black belt project? Yeah. So, uh, the answer is both. Uh-huh. So, so we've, we've used uh, kind of in a way a kind of a blend between, uh, what you would typically call a black belt project and a Kaizen event uh-huh. where we found that the, the typically for us, li- the, the lean approach has certainly been, uh, the most fruitful so far, but we have used the, the DMake Six Sigma framework. So many um, of our activities were in the form of three-day workshops, where you know we would we would we would map out a process with all the folks that work that process, uh, and basically do what you know what is typical in a, in, a, in a Kaizen event mm-hmm. to you know understand you know uh, you know the the timing of the steps, understand who's doing what, the handovers, you know that that is the typical approach. In other cases, we've done a very you know, off the shelf, black belt, if you like, DMake project. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, we've used whatever works depending on the degree of difficulty, really, of the problem. Okay. And, you know, I'm curious to delve a little bit into the idea of, uh, you know, you, you have a company full of scientists, mm-hmm. and in a lot of settings, uh, there's discussion about how, you know, the true essence of lean or the Toyota production system is the scientific method. 
yeah. applied to process improvement, yeah. going back to Dr. Deming and, and yes. to, to other mm-hmm. routes. And you know, I've heard, you know, some organizations uh, say, uh, you know, about manufacturing and healthcare, you know, our goal is to have everybody to be a process improvement scientist, you know, to yes. have everybody involved in this every day. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how, you know, the, the opportunity or the, the progress in, in trying to get people who clearly have uh, scientific training and scientific mindset around things like molecules, which are squarely out of my right. <laughs> uh, um, realm. Um, but you know, to, to apply a similar mindset to things like process that uh, work in conjunction with the scientific discovery. I mean, what, what are you finding in terms of getting people to embrace that? You know, we we uh, even before we did this this uh, the Lean Sigma work, uh, we we recognized there was a cycle, and we called it the design make test cycle. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we called it, which was the learning cycle, which is akin, you know, to the plan to review or it's of demake, whichever form you, you like. Right. But but basically, for us though, and this perhaps is is the difference, is it's, it was it was initiated with a question, right, or a set of questions. And we were looking for answers, which is what the learning was, of course. Yeah. When we first mapped out that LO process, this really hit us. You could see the cycles very clearly. And I don't think they've been that clear to folks before uh, how things iterated. And those cycles continue into development. They just get longer um, because now we're running clinical trials to do, a, if you like, um, the test part, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, but absolutely. But I... But I think where we can go, though, is to be much more disciplined in the application of, of that kind of thinking, even now, so, which basically means doing better science, you know, and, and I, we're not going to get a lot of argument with that. So lean for better science and then uh, lean sigma not stifling innovation, which is probably the, the other concern. And maybe, you know, we can wrap yes. up with some thoughts on that. Because, you know, you hear this in other mm-hmm. industries that are very technology-driven, uh, with the lean startups movement, uh, yeah. as, as people refer to it, or even um, you know diversified companies like 3M, where there's a, a fear or a knock that oh, you know this yeah. this idea of process will kill or stifle innovation. So, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and and I I fully understand mm-hmm. where where this dialogue's coming from because you know at least superficially, if you look at Six Sigma and Lean, you know he's trying to eliminate variation. That's that's part of what it's about. Uh, because the customer feels that. Okay. Whereas innovation, of course, is trying to create variation, essentially. Mm. Um, so that, that seems like a conflict. Right. But I guess you've got to frame the problem the right way, I guess. You know, so it, I don't think the problem is a win-lose problem. Um, in fact, I think we need both, both Six Sigma Lean and innovation, and they actually can work together very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so for example, um, in the design space, in innovative design space, which is a, obviously a key part of what we do, you know, we, we have to create opportunities. We have to create ideas, if you like. I, I, I should define how I'm, I'm thinking of innovation. Innovation, I guess I'd see, I use the, I saw this somewhere that innovation is the, is the transformation of ideas into value. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Yeah. And if you think about, you know, that the entire process, you know, then there is a lot of opportunities for for some lean and six sigma thinking, and there's also a lot of opportunities for that creative moment where you generate the opportunities. You know, six sigma. It's interesting that talks about uh, defects, right? right? And 
and and defects per million opportunities, you know, is is, a, is obviously one of the measures they use. Well, you know, we're kind of focusing on innovation on the opportunities, creating those opportunities, you mm-hmm. know, for, you know, whether they come from talking and listening to customers, technology, or other sources. So, so you know, bo- to boil all that down, I guess I say, see three types of variation, you know. The, the special cause, common cause, Deming, right? right? But also, if you like, the creative cause, which is, is what drives innovation. And that's useful most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> there are some areas where you do not want yeah. uh, lots of innovation. A manufacturing process, ideally, there's nothing to learn. It does exactly the same thing every time. You really don't want innovation in that process. You know, outside of the process where you're trying to improve it and learn new things, then that's different. You mm-hmm. need some innovation. So I guess that yeah. that's how I see it. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I think the dirty little secret of uh, you know manufacturing, which is my original world, and, and mm-hmm. even uh, the last years in healthcare, is that you'd like to think that it was all figured out and it was just a matter of uh, applying it consistently every day. But there, there's still an awful lot of room for you know little small cycles of innovation day in yes. and day out, which yeah. is that um, you know that magic of, of kaizen. So. Um, yes. I, I like the way you said it. How uh, maybe an attempt to summarize? You know, it applies in uh, innovation and it leans six sigma applies in R and D, except where it doesn't. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, essentially, you know, you have to you have to frame the problem to say, you know, it, when you look into the details of specific processes, mm-hmm. the areas where you want creativity and to create variation. And then at some point, you want to actually minimize that variation. For example, you know, when you're making decisions. Sure. <laughs> you yeah. know, so, so it's applying in the right context, in the right place, which is true with everything, really. Yeah. And, and, it's how you use it. <laughs> yeah, and in any setting, you know, minimizing variation doesn't mean shut off your brain and have zero variation. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, so these, these, are, these are great questions to be talking through. You know, I'm, I'm glad that you and, and others in the pharma industry um, are, are trying to figure out how to make that work. And so it's really interesting to hear uh, about this in, a, in what for me is a very uh, unknown setting. So it's interesting to hear about um, what the themes are, the, the types of things that you're working on. So I want to thank you, uh, Keith, for sharing those with us today. You're very welcome, Mark. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.